And it was a, it was a great business grift for a guy who went bankrupt several times. And yet, out of some misguided partisan loyalty, you're going to stick with him. I don't even know why you stick with him. He was a Democrat longer than he was a Republican. He wanted to run for president on the Reform Party. You guys have been taken over by an absolute con man. And now you're acting like members of a religious cult who don't even remember how you got in in the first place. <laughs> I just love that. That's Representative Jamie Raskin of Maryland just bringing the heat on his Republican colleagues for the outrageous connection they have to Donald Trump. That was in a hearing this week uh, on the idea of holding Hunter Biden contempt, uh, which is uh, just ridiculous. Uh, his key and his colleagues kept pointing out how many of his Republican colleagues ignored subpoenas and didn't participate in the January 6th committee. And this is the guy they're dedicated. He points it out very clearly that this party has just given themselves over to Donald Trump. You know, And this is the guy. So if you're watching the news this week, Donald Trump did an interview on all places, Lindell TV. TV because Lou Dobbs now is a show on Mike Lindell's TV network. Uh, but this is a clip that you've probably seen floating around quite a bit. Here's Trump on, well, his hopes for the next year. When there's a crash, I hope it's going to be during this next 12 months because I don't want to be Herbert Hoover. The one president, I just don't want to be Herbert Hoover. Yeah. He hopes the economy collapses in the next 12 months. Uh, that way, if he's reelected, it won't be on him. Um, that's what Donald Trump thinks of the average American. That's the guy that the Republicans have wedded themselves to as a party. A guy who's no problem seeing your economic prosperity go away as long as he doesn't get burned for it, right? That's what we're dealing with. And, you know, it took me back. I was thinking as I was getting ready for the show, I saw a clip that reminded me of, of something that was just funny. And and from three and a half years ago, at the height of the pandemic, um, S.V. Date from uh, the Huffington Post. Well, here's a clip of him, his moment when he finally got to ask Donald Trump a question. Mr. President, after three and a half years, do you regret at all all the lying you've done to the American people? On all the what? All the lying, all the dishonesties. That who has done? You have done. Uh, Tens of thousands. Yeah, go ahead, please. Please. Uh, go ahead. Joining me now is the reporter who put the president on the spot there. S.V. Date is with us. He's a senior White House correspondent with The Huffington Post. And um, Sharish, tell us why you asked this question. And did you know that it would get a response like it has? Um, on the response part, no, I had no idea it would be taking off like it has. I've been wanting to ask him that question since his very first campaign event that I went to in New Hampshire back in 2015 and have not had the opportunity to do so um, until yesterday. And it seems to be like the key question of his presidency. I mean, the, the president has so many things that are not true and sometimes it's not important, but sometimes, you know, in the middle of a crisis, a pandemic, it is. And I wanted to see whether given any reflection, given all this time, whether maybe he had some regrets about it. And apparently, apparently not. Yeah, you see, you see what happens, right? This is, this is he, he gets asked the hard question of all the lying and who he is, and he just ignores it. So that's who we're dealing with. I'm glad to see people like Rep Raskin calling him out. And I, by the way, decided to go ahead and get SV Date himself to come to the show and talk to us about where we are today, his experience in the White House. So we got an amazing show. Let's get on with it. All 
Oh man, another great week, another great show. Holy crap, I think we're almost halfway through the month of January already. I don't know how that happened, but here we are nonetheless. And as always, it's been a crazy week in Washington. The Republicans are absolutely imploding yet again. I mean, I don't know if you saw it. They're actually talking about firing Mike Johnson for speaker already. Uh, the Hunter Biden showed up at a hearing and made all their heads explode. Uh, that's where that clip from Rep. Rask, uh, you know, Jamie Raskin came from at the top of the show. And that's all on top of Trump appearing in D.C. Circuit uh, Court, uh, appeals court to argue he has absolute absolute immunity as president unless he's impeached and convicted first which is a whole new law he's creating for himself uh this just seemed like the perfect time to get the guy from that last clip <laughs> sv date who's the senior white house correspondent for huff post uh he's got a book out by the way if you had not caught it, the useful idiot uh which captures trump's failed management of the coronavirus pandemic as corruption of the republican party he's also the author of five novels and two political biographies my god you're a busy man <laughs> sharish is so good to have you on the show and wanted to have you on here forever thanks for having me i appreciate it yeah it's good stuff so you've been a real busy man uh, you know i still chuckle when i think about trump's face that day where it was three and a half years ago and you asked him if he regrets the lies <laughs> you know he just moved to another reporter you know and he continues a lot of this day it's only gotten more dangerous right i mean the arguments in the dc circuit were kind of shocking i mean i, I you know the reaction that i've seen across the internet to what he's saying is, is as you pointed out it's it's a framework where essentially biden could have him executed right i mean as long as he's got 35 senators that won't convict him I and mean, what do you make of this bizarre scenario and and you've watched trump for a long time right in the White House briefing room. Right. No, it, it, it is kind of amazing that we have a, 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 a judge on, on the second highest court in the United States of America asking Trump's lawyer, so let me get this straight. What you're saying is that a sitting president could order SEAL Team 6 to assassinate the political rival and the, and the president could not be prosecuted for it. Is that correct? And the answer, of course, is Yes, yeah, because that's exactly what they're arguing. It's outright. I mean, I remember like about a month ago, I was tr I was thinking of a way I'd write a story to illustrate the absurdity of of Trump's <laughs> argument, right? By positing such a thing, right? Yeah, and uh, and I came up. Well, what if they just abducted him and took him off to Saint? Helena in the middle of the South Atlantic Ocean, and of course, where they took Napoleon finally and uh, left him there. And that would be it. And never told anyone he could he could get away with it. Yeah. Never be prosecuted. Right. And I thought, well, that's kind of outrageous. How would I uh, justify making up such an outlandish example? And then Jack Smith files a brief you know, with, with the court saying, even worse things. He said, right. well, you know, actually, the president uh, Trump could uh, assassinate uh, his, his rival. He could uh, have his mob murder uh, members of the Senate so they couldn't impeach him, just of a long parade of horribles. And, you know, that is literally what his lawyers are saying uh, is permissible under under the United States Constitution, which, which, of course, is not. But at this point, he has no other out. This is it. I mean, right. if he's not absolutely immune from, from the criminal laws, yeah. then he's screwed. He's going to go to prison. So um, unless he can stretch this out beyond... Um, the next election, and if he wins the next election, he can just order DOJ to drop it all. And that's really the end game here, is just yeah. to uh, stall, stall for another 10 months, and he's done. 
Yeah, because every poll says that polls do say if he is convicted, if he's tried, if he's tried at this point in an actual criminal trial, it's going to hurt him, right? If he's convicted, forget it. All the, even even the Republicans start dropping him once he gets convicted. So he's he's desperately trying to run the clock out, and it'll do anything he can to run that clock out. But you know, the right. one thing that I took away from it, and I, I'm sure you've been paying attention to this Project 2025 stuff. You know, the idea is that they're going to inject. 50,000 Trump loyalists, right, using Schedule F, uh, which if, for those who aren't familiar, I'm sure people who've watched the show know how much I talk about this, but, you know, getting rid of the, the schedule, just basically making federal employees at will employees. And they're recruiting, right. actively recruiting 35 to 50,000, you know, people. That's more than the SES core. That's more than the um, political, I mean, there's only 4,000 political appointees. So you're talking to Daisy Taylor. So now take that, right? Basically taking over the top part of our government, 30,000 of the leadership, and then injecting Donald Trump with this immunity rule where he can basically commit – now you're talking really interesting things like, I don't know, using the IRS to target your opponents, to, to you know just charge them with crimes or put them in jail. You know, there's, It gets ugly when you get there. I mean the scenarios get pretty wild when you mix what we know is their plan, right? Right, right. No, it's, it is serious stuff, and I would go beyond that. I would go beyond the um, – the, the project 2025 thing. And there are some, what I used to think were serious people involved in that. Right? Yeah. And, and they, they just feel that, you know, we need a unitary executive to get things done. Um, and you can make an argument for that. And if you have people who actually believe in the rule of law and the constitution, you, you could say, all right, well, this, this is kind of a, a stronger executive than we're used to, but it's probably okay. Uh, and it'll swing from, from left to right over the, over a number of cycles. So, yeah. but, but with Donald Trump, you're looking at something entirely different. Yeah. Uh, and I don't know if people have noticed this, but the, but the Supreme court, all the article three courts, not one of them has an army. Not yeah. one of them has a police force. Yeah. So what happens when the day comes and it will, when Donald Trump says, you know what? Court says, I can't do this to hell with the court. What are they going to do? Right. What are they going to do? And that's it. We're done. Yeah. We are, I mean, and we almost got to that point on January 6th. Let's, let's not forget that he lost all his cases, including the one that uh, he was counting on going yeah. to the U.S. Supreme Court. And they they shut him down. Yep. And he still didn't accept that he continued on with his coup attempt and, and it came to violence. And, and the only reason that uh, it ended like it did was that the United States military was run by professionals. Yeah. And back in June of that year, June of 2020, right after the uh, the, the like fascism day on La Lafayette Square, oh, yeah. when he cleared the park in order so he can go stay, hold up a Bible, which he hasn't read, in front of a church he'd never set foot in yeah. in, in three and a half years to say that I am the law. Uh, and both the defense secretary and the joint chiefs at the time were there in that photograph. Yep. And both of them, within two weeks, made independently made speeches saying it was a mistake it won't happen again and they made that message clear to the white house in the coming months that we don't we're not part of your election we're not part of elections period and i don't know if folks remember this but there's an extraordinary letter to the washington post in i believe uh early january 2021 the first days of january maybe the last days of december in which you had like sitting military officials saying we're not part of uh, of the election we won't be part of the election and by the way no one in in the armed forces is part of the election and remember that yep kind of a warning i I felt that if you take part in whatever might happen 
be aware that there are consequences under the the military code of justice. So uh, that was scary as hell to read. And this was before, you know, what actually happened on January 6th. But that was kind of a worrisome look that what are they talking about? Why do they feel it necessary to put that in print? Mm-hmm. And of course, now we know why. Yeah. So, and and that was that happened because we had people who honored the Constitution. Right. What happens when Donald Trump puts in, I don't know, uh, 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 Mike Flynn in charge of uh, of, of, of the Pentagon? What, yeah. What happens? Which we talked about. Yeah. Right. I, this is this is crazy. This is dangerous. Yeah. Is what it is. Yeah. And what will happen then? is uh, he'll invoke the Insurrection Act and he'll do exactly what he wants. Which is the plan, so, right? Insurrection Act's in day one, right? Right. Then we're in real trouble, and yeah. then we've lost it all. Yeah. So, and I don't think people fully appreciate that. They look back on January 6th, say, you know, it, it, they made a mess, a uh, bunch of people got hurt, a few people got killed, but in the end, uh, nothing really bad happened. Yeah. And and they kind of shrug it off. And, uh, you know, most of America has shrugged it off. I mean, I go out and talk to people out in Iowa, New Hampshire, or wherever, mm-hmm. and most voters, to them, January 6th is long in the past. Yeah. Which long is, gone. Which is terrifying. Why, why are you even talking about this? Uh, why is anyone still talking about this? And what's interesting, you know, I saw, I think I saw Casey Hutchinson on an interview, and, and, and you see people talking about the previous, his administration and say, you know, ended up not being that bad. You know, there, he was controlled. And I think it was Casey Hutchinson or someone said in an interview, don't look at the first, the four years that, you know, before January 6th as the Trump administration and what it will look like as Trump administration too. You need to look at what happened after the election up until January 20th when he left, the people he installed and the insanity that went on in those last few weeks. That's the next Trump administration. Like you said, that's the Cash Patel that's the Rick Grinnells. Right. That's the you know the the the, the loony bins. You know Rob, whatever's the guy that was doing all the personnel stuff. Those are the those the, that's the real Trump two administration because those those Republican adults in the room who participated in the first part of his administration are not coming back the second time. Right? I mean, it's right. going to be a total. And you watch that arc up close and personal in the White House. You know, it's a, a Trump two won't be what the most of Trump one was in any way, will it? Not in, in any way, shape, or form. I mean, and, and I've talked to people who are trying to like downplay the possibility, yeah. the, the bad possibilities. Oh well, you know, just remember, he's still got to get people confirmed. Uh, he can't he can't have people uh, start off as acting unless they've been in this job for or a similar level job. And you know, I'm looking at him like, what what planet are you people from? Right. Why do you think he'll care? I mean, he went with acting uh, defense secretary yep. went with acting defense chief of staff. I mean, on and on. And um, yeah. if you think that he's going to obey the rules of, of, uh, of, of I, I forget the exact law, which governs this, but uh, he's, he's not going to care. No. You know, you know, whether the Senate confirms or not, because right. once again, the Senate does not have an army. The no. Senate does not have a police force. So um uh, good, good luck. Good yeah. luck in, in trying to like temper this thing. Well, it's that whole I, an argument you hear a lot. In my show is it, it's norms and traditions. The, the idea that these norms and traditions will protect us, and and I think it's one of the for me one of my frustrations with our more senior members of the Democratic Party, especially in the, in the Schumers and the Pelosi's and the and unfortunately um, whom I think very highly of President Biden. But President Biden and those guys are from a different era of partisanship in many ways, and the norms and traditions were a thing then, right? <laughs> you know. 
know, and, and, and people respected and they resigned when, I mean, you know, you just have to look a little further Florida where the guy finally got kicked out of his job as the head of the Florida Republican Party, it refused to resign in any way after being accused of rape, you know, and, right. and even when they stripped him of his duties and his money, he still stayed in the job. Like, so these norms and traditions that we relied upon were shown to be nothing but empty rhetoric once Trump came into office and Trump too will look the same way. It'll be worse because he figured it out now. He knows, right? Right. It, it, uh, and, and it, it, I, I remember there was a period of a few weeks after Trump was elected <clears throat> where people thought, okay, well, this, this might not be so bad. He went into the New York Times editorial board, Trump did, and, uh, and called the New York Times the crown jewel of American journalism. And he spoke like a normal person and people kind of calmed down for a little bit. And then of course the, uh, the Comey investigation stuff started and that was the end of that. Yeah. Um, there's this, this long been this idea that, well, you know, Trump in person, Trump is really normal and this is all an act. And, I, and for years now, I, I've thought that that's exactly backwards, mm -hmm. that Trump knows how to act normal yeah. when he has to. Right. But the real Trump is what you see when he's unhinged. That is him. Yep. He's never grown up. He's never had to. He's basically between a toddler and about an eight year old, depending on his mood that day. And he's never had to accept responsibility for anything he's done, and he's trying to get out of it now. As to norms, I mean, that was the norms got us through, you know, two hundred thirty years. It was the idea that, um, well, such a person would never be nominated. Right. You would never have a person who would try to overthrow democracy win the nomination of a major party, and that's where the Republican Party absolutely one hundred percent failed us all. Yeah. Right. I mean, you talk about the, the Democrats not appreciating it. I do think Biden does. I honestly do think yeah. he gets it. Yeah. Um, uh, and that's why he's been eager to turn back on this. You know, let's run on democracy because that's what it's right. all about. Right. And I, and I will tell you that a lot of his top eight, that a lot of top of uh, uh, Democratic strategists don't buy that. Oh, no, we need to talk about what we're doing for people. We need to talk about health care and insulin at thirty five dollars and. By the way, you know, we're doing this for uh, green energy and, and all that stuff's great and fantastic. But if you don't believe in democracy and you don't believe that what happened on January 6th is a um, is, is a real red warning sign that we really need to pay attention to, then you've lost the plot. Yeah. Uh, and and nothing else matters. I mean, if we don't have that, then. Who cares? Right, <laughs> right. That's, about, it. that's about it. These other things. And, yeah. and you, you, you stole my questions from down down the page here. It's like exactly that. He's he, President Biden has launched his campaign with a very clear, ringing, and resounding statement that de democracy is in danger. Uh, that he represents the saving of that. That the, the the things we hold dear, the rights. And what's interesting to me is you can nest a lot in that. Like you can you can nest racism as he did down in South Carolina. You can nest a woman's uh, reproductive rights and, and reproductive freedoms in that that democracy because all that flows. From from that ability to you know, uh, uh, have a democracy. We know that, for example, the reproductive rights issue, 82% of Americans believe a woman should have some sort of right to choose, uh, even up to a certain point in her pregnancy, but yet the zealots don't, right? So if we take our democracy, we're ruled by a minority of 20%, those are the rights we'll lose. So that right. is his opening statement, and, and, and it, you've seen it up close and personal. Yeah, and I, I do remember that uh, that the president gave two what I thought were pretty significant speeches on uh, on the issue of democracy um, as 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 a as a key American value in in 2022. One was early on that summer, yeah. And he and he did talk about other things, 
abortion rights, et cetera, in that speech. Yeah. And, and the second one in, I believe it was Philadelphia, and it was pretty late that year, October, maybe, uh, uh, September. It was just about democracy, only democracy. Yeah. And that's, I thought, was more effective because, and I remember asking some Biden folks back after the first speech, um, you know, if you talk about, if you bring in things like reproductive rights, if you bring in a right to access to abortion, you are alienating those Republicans who, you know, in their hearts think that abortion is wrong, but believe that we're a uh, we're a constitutional republic and we are governed by the rule of law. For example, you lose Liz Cheney. I mean, and we can't afford <laughs> as, a, as a country to lose yeah. people like Liz Cheney in this, yeah. right? I mean, you have to be able to... Uh, disagree on some fundamental things, but also say that, you know what, regardless of those differences, here are the, here's what we do believe in. And that's that the elections matter. And once they're over, it's over and we're all Americans and we abide by the results. And right now we have a, a, a dangerous percentage of base Republican voters who don't believe in that. That's the scary part. Yeah. And that's something that, uh, I don't know when that goes away I mean, or if it ever goes away. But. And it's going down every level. It's not just present. We're seeing in local, we see the local races for God's sake where people are, well, no, it was stolen from me or, you know, it has become a norm of the party to deny elections results. Uh, it, and, and that leads to some very negative places or bad places. It, it does. That's true. Uh, but I will say um, I was pleasantly surprised after the midterm results in 2022, when you had people like, um, Blake Masters, yeah, uh, Herschel Walker, uh, Mastriano, mm-hmm. a bunch of people who were just gung ho on the election lying stuff, yeah. Accept the results and say, you know what, election's over. Yeah, uh, I lost. Congratulations to my winner. And the only real exception here was that the crazy woman in Arizona, Carrie um, Lake, yeah. who continues to this day to pretend like she's the the duly elected governor <laughs> while she's representing uh, her. While she's running for senator, right? <laughs> well, that's a good uh, place. To, that's a good place to take a break, real quick, for our sponsors. Uh, you know, we've got some great sponsors this week. Uh, Mosh and Neurohacker, we just love having them. So we'll just take a break and come right back. You know, someone told me there are science-backed ingredients that could help me feel 15 years younger in just a matter of months. I wouldn't have believed it. Well, then I tried. Qualia Senolytics. You know, as we age, everyone accumulates senescent cells in their body. Senescent cells cause symptoms of aging, such as aches and pains, slow workout recoveries, sluggish mental and physical energy that I know so well, all associated with that middle-aged feeling. Now, also known as zombie cells, they're old and worn out and serving a no useful function for your health anymore, but they're taking up space and nutrients from our healthy cells. You know, much like pruning the yellow and dead leaves and plants in my garden, Qualia Senolytic removes those worn out senescent cells to allow for the rest of them to thrive in your body. You take it just two days a month. The formula is non-GMO, vegan, as well as gluten-free. And the ingredients are meant to complement one another, factoring in the combined effect of all the ingredients together. But best of all, on top of all that, you have a 100-day money-back guarantee. And since taking Qualia Senolytics, I have had higher energy levels, I feel 15 years younger, more productive, enthusiastic in life, not to mention, importantly for me, less aches and pains. Now, resist aging at the cellular level. Try Qualia Senolytic. Go to neurohacker.com slash Fred for up to $100 off, and then use code FRED at checkout for an additional 15% off. That's neurohacker.com slash Fred for an extra 15% off of your purchase. And man, thanks Neurohacker for sponsoring our show. The older I get, the more I find myself wanting to be more intentional about the way I live, eat, and take care of my body. Mosh is a company founded by Maria Shriver. 
and her son, Patrick Schwarzenegger, with a simple mission to create a conversation about brain health through food, education, and research. Now, Maria's father suffered from Alzheimer's, and since then, she and Patrick have dedicated themselves to finding ways to help other families dealing with this debilitating disease. Mosh joined forces of the world's top scientists and functional nutritionists to go beyond your average protein bar with six delicious flavors. Each Mosh bar has 12 grams of protein and is made with the ingredients to support brain health, like ashwagandha, lion's mane, collagen, and omega-3s. You know, they also have a line of plant-based protein bars that come in three delicious flavors of their own. But here's the best part to make you feel good about this company. Mosh donates a portion of all proceeds from your order to fund gender-based brain health research through the women's Alzheimer's movement. Now, why gender-based? Two-thirds of all Alzheimer's patients are women. Mosh is working closely to close the gap between women and men's health research. So, you know, Mosh bars are truly delicious. I have a Mosh bar every morning before my walk. It's a perfect way to kickstart my day. My favorite Mosh bar is the peanut butter crunch. It's incredible. Now, if you want to find ways to give back to others and fuel your body and your brain, Mosh bar is the perfect choice for you. Now, head to moshlife.com slash fred. You'll save 20% off plus free shipping in your first six-count trial pack. That's 20% off plus free shipping in your first six-count trial pack at M-O-S-H-L-I-F-E dot com slash Fred. Thank you, Mosh, for all you do, and thank you for sponsoring this episode. So um, that's a great place to go. And so, you know, you had a great Twitter thread the other day where you kind of made a plea to your fellow media... <laughs> <laughs> you yeah. know, about, and I think you started off saying, look, if you're a journalist, you're a local, we talked about local just now in the election in the election world, if you're a local journalist, you see a cop, you know, deputy shoot up somebody in the back and kill him, and then he's running for sheriff, you'd have a duty to say, hey, by the way, he was accused of murder, you know, and you liken right. that to where we are, Trump. Tell me more about that. Sure. Well, and this goes back to, I mean, I, and, and this is so much has changed in journalism in the last 20 years that, and and maybe, one of the reasons we're having these problems is that. Uh, but I, I came up, you know, like most reporters did in my day, you know, at a, at a small local newspaper covering police and courts and things like that. And um, I actually learned what the word alleged means and why yeah. we use it. I mean, for example, if we're basing a story solely on a police report or one of other people, what, what the state is saying, we use allege, accuse, whatever, because we don't know independently. You know, there's this uh, police officer did an investigation. We take their word because they're in a position of trust. But even if, although we take that their word, we put in there that uh, and we signal that we don't know for sure by putting in uh, is accused of, uh, right. charged with, alleged. Yep. Very different when you actually see something as an eyewitness, if as a journalist. If if like I pointed out in that in in that Twitter thread, if you happen to see a police officer shoot someone in the back yeah. or or whatever, yeah. you can just say that. Right. You don't have to say, you know, he's accused. You don't have to get into the passive voice. This happened. You saw it. Print it. And that's the way it is with Donald Trump and what happened on January 6th. Yes, he is charged with these things related to insurrection, with conspiracy, to uh, commit fraud, to um, with a, a conspiracy to deprive rights, et cetera, et cetera. Yep. He's accused of all that. But we saw him attempt a coup. Right. You can just say that. You don't have to like double talk it around. You don't have to say Democrats say he did this. No, Democrats may say that, but you saw it too. You don't have to. This is a fact. This happened. 
Uh, you may have even been in the building while right. it was happening, as many of my colleagues were. Yeah. So this confounds me, just confounds me that we've we've treating this thing as uh, as a mere accusation when it's not. It is not. It happened. We saw it happen. The question now is whether he'll get uh, w- whether he will be punished in a court of law yeah. according to how our system works. Yeah. But whether that happens or not, he did it. Yep. And there ought to be uh, an acknowledgement that he did it and probably um, a consequence from a, at least electorally that, no, dude, you don't get to be um, elected to anything anymore. Look what you did last time. Right. So, and, and, I, and I wish the journalists, you know, and the journalists are not like neutral observers of democracy. When, when I came up, I was taught that if I'm in a, if I'm in a courtroom and they try to uh, uh, close the court and say, you know what, this is all going to be in secret for this next hearing. I was to stand up and say, uh, your honor, I object on behalf of the times Herald record. And I'd like to get uh, the opportunity to have uh, our attorney come in and make a presentation to you as to why this is inappropriate. <laughs> you know, when I did that, I'm not being a neutral observer anymore. Right. I'm, I'm right. taking part in, in, um, in, in that case, in the judicial system. And, and so, and that's long been accepted. So why are we pretending like we're just, Oh, look what happened. We just gave away our democracy and got yeah. this like, like third world autocracy instead. No, no, it's, it's our job. It's our job to point out when this is at risk. And I, and I feel that too many of us are not doing it. Yeah. Yeah. And and it goes to the book, right? Your book. The, I, lo- I didn't read the full title at the top of the it, but the useful idiot, how Donald Trump killed the Republican Party, the races and the and the rest of us with coronavirus, which was originally published in September 2020 uh, before the election, the events of January 6th. Right. Um, but and, and there was a moment where it looked like they might finally break their fever from Trump, the Republicans. Right. You know, they he was condemned the aftermath of the, of the thing. But then, you know, Kevin McCarthy flew down to Mar-a-Lago and right. bent the knee. You know, what happened? I mean, what do you th- why do the Republican why did the Republican leaders when they had this moment, they had right. this opportunity to take back their party? They didn't do it. Why do you what's your perspective on? It? I mean, I, it, well, I think it baffles a lot of us. Right. Yeah. No, there, there are there are two reasons that I can see. Um, number one was the Republican Party, once upon a time, um, it, we're probably old enough to remember this, but a lot of a lot of the viewers may not. Yeah. There was a time when you, people, when parties, candidates used to raise money by mailing people something in the United States mail and hoping that they'd write a check for $5, $20, whatever, and send it back. And there was a guy in the Republican Party who made this an art form. Mm-hmm. Uh, forget his last name, uh, Bagheeri, I think, Richard Bagheeri. Mm-hmm. Any, any, anyway. That was how money was raised. The Republicans were good at it. Okay. Then comes a Barack Obama, who in 2008 comes along with, and, and invents basically digital fundraising and raises a gazillion dollars doing it. And for years, Republicans could not match that. They tried and they just couldn't get there until Donald Trump. And Donald Trump was able to get all these people who watched The Apprentice, thought he's a business genius based yeah. on what they saw on TV, yeah. and would you know, put their credit card numbers in and give them five, 10, 20, $50 a month, every yeah. month over and over and over. And Donald Trump owned that list, Donald Trump and the Republican party owned the list uh, and nobody else. And that was one big reason why they were um, afraid or not afraid, but unwilling to part ways with Trump. And I think that was a big reason that McCarthy went back down because he wanted to be speaker again. He was yeah. still on the outs. Um, and, uh, and without Trump, they were going to lose that the ability to raise small dollar money. Yeah. Okay, uh, craven, cowardly, yeah. but I can make I can understand that. I, and I think the other one was 
they they lacked the imagination to see that Donald Trump would not care. He has no shame. Yeah. And he came back. They didn't think he would. Right. They thought, well, he's done. There's no way any anyone can come back from this. This is out he's gone too far this time. We can move on. We don't need to do anything. And I think that's where Mitch McConnell was. Yeah. Um, and between those two, if if you say a lie enough and it's unrebutted, people will start to believe it. And that's the one that's the one piece of human nature that Donald Trump understands very well. That um, and this, I think Billy Bush pointed this out in an interview years ago. That he's uh, Trump said, you know what? Just say it. People will believe it. Yeah. Just say it. And he did over and over and over. I went to that CPAC in Orlando mm. uh, that February, I believe, weeks after the insurrection, and he he opened his pack. He started lying about the election again. Yeah. Right. And it became, this guy's running. He's absolutely running. Yep. Uh, and this was before it was clear to him, clear to any of us, that there was an active investigation into him. So um, he knew from then. And it, and the, the role of DeSantis and Haley and everybody else who was possibly thinking of running in 2024 was to say, no, you don't. Here's what you did. We're not going to let you forget that. And we're not going to let the voters forget that. Because remember, the first few days after January 6th, all of the Trump supporters were blaming Antifa. Right. Why? Because they knew what they what had happened was horrible, that it was beyond the pale, it was un-American, and it was most most likely criminal. And so they were blaming other people. Yep. They didn't want to have anything to do with it. Yep. So uh, uh, it, it was obvious that it was wrong. And we know that it was wrong because even Trump and his supporters were claiming that somebody else was yeah. responsible, not them. And Republicans failed to take advantage of that and repeat that message over and over and over. Every time Trump lied about it, it was their responsibility to tell the truth, and they failed. Yeah. And now where we are, where Elise Stefanik is going on TV and echoing that messaging, which is that these are hostages, that the January right. 6th prisoners yeah. are hostages. Yeah. Um, By the way, and what just happened in, in Israel not two months ago, yeah. uh, and uh, you know, uh, three months ago now, and 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 actual hostages who remain there—it's an insult to that to, to those people to call the goons and thugs and police assaulters who are in jail right now hostages. Yeah, yeah, it's it's just, and I'm glad to see there was a reaction to it. But she loves it, you know. I mean, it's it's she's probably running for. Uh, Vice President, which is the thing, as we go into, as you, as we're speaking, of course, next week is the Iowa caucuses, uh, then New Hampshire, um, you know, a lot of this stuff will be shaken out. Super Tuesday is March 5th. Um, there's every reason to believe we're going to know who the Republican nominee is uh, within, you know, a month and a half, if you will. Um, how do you, what do you, what do you see? Is this the, this the, the Haley momentum or <laughs> DeSantis and you've written a number of pieces about DeSantis's epic implosion. Um, yeah. How do you see the next few weeks falling out? Well... If Haley can manage to come in second in in Iowa, after not really putting in that much of an effort there, I yeah. mean, uh, yeah, she was there, not she was there, but not nearly as much as DeSantis was. Yeah. She didn't spend nearly as much money as DeSantis has. DeSantis and the Super PAC both. Um, if she can manage, despite all that, to come in second, mm -hmm. I think that puts her in a really good position to win New Hampshire. Hmm. I feel she has to win New Hampshire. Uh, or at the very least come in second by just a few points mm -hmm. to survive. Um, other than that, it's over. 
and Donald Trump is the nominee again. Now, if she does win New Hampshire, there's something really interesting happened in Nevada, which I wrote about a couple of uh, months ago, is Trump wanted to rig that, that system out there and so had his people create a caucus. Despite there being a state-run primary on the 6th of February, there's going to be a caucus on the 8th run by the party, run by people who, by the way, who have been indicted now um, for participating in the in the in the fake election, uh, the fake ele- uh, electoral vote scheme. Um, and and Trump's not on the primary ballot, is on the caucus ballot. DeSantis is on the caucus ballot. And the only major candidate on the primary ballot is Nikki Haley. Hmm. So watch this. Every registered voter in Nevada is going to get a ballot in the mail. It's very possible that Nikki Haley could win the primary and get more votes in total than Donald Trump does in the caucus. So then who can claim victory there? Well, Trump can't because he'll get all the delegates, but so can Haley. So I think that, you know, I think people are missing this, that if she actually wins New Hampshire, she could she could do this. Because after Nevada is South Carolina, and then if she can't win her the state where she won governor twice, well, then she doesn't deserve to be the nominee. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I don't think it's over. It could be over very soon. And for the sake of democracy, I hope every person in in, uh, in New Hampshire, Nevada, South Carolina votes. Every Democrat re-registers and tries to vote in those primary because it's important. Well, it that's really it. Is. I mean, there's a poll right yeah. here. I just look at this poll. Um, you know, CNN UNH poll came out. Among Republicans, it's uh, 50% Trump, 27% Haley, 5% Christie, and everybody else is micro digits. But what's interesting is among independents and Democrats, 47% Haley, 31% Christie, and only 5% Trump, which says to me, it, it, it says just how soft his support really is. You know, I say it a lot. You know, I, got, I don't think it's fashionable to say Donald Trump doesn't have a chance. Everybody wants to believe it's true, but he has to rebuild his 2016 coalition. He can't. He lost too many Republicans and, and independents in 2020 to win back the White House this time without regaining that coalition. This poll tells me he ain't got it. I mean, it, you know, it's, so there is there is a chance this could go a very weird direction when people start casting votes. Is is that how you see something like that, too? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, um uh... He has a core of people who are willing to go visit him in prison and bring him a, <laughs> a file so he can escape by right? baking a cake. There is that group. Yeah, uh, it's scary, but it's a cult, and it's not going away um, for now. Yeah. And how big is that? I think within the Republican primary electorate, which, by the way, is uh, maybe thirty percent of the total voting population. Yeah. Uh, among the Republican primary electorate, that number is probably. 25, 30, 35, tops, it's 40, tops. Yeah. It's, it varies by state. And obviously it's higher in Iowa than it is in New Hampshire. Yeah. So no, he doesn't have a lock on this. And he could easily lose because most voters want to win. Now, I remember, um, I remember when John McCain suddenly had a chance to become the nominee in 2000. Right. Because he won New Hampshire convincingly. Yep. So it can turn in a, in a, on a dime. Yep. And uh, I, I remember how President Howard Dean. Oh, right. Right. He lost. Right. Um, <laughs> despite being ahead the entire time yep. in, in, uh, heading into uh, in 2004. So it, it, people want to win if they think that Haley looks like a winner. Absolutely. They'll turn around and vote for Haley. Because most people don't follow it this closely. Now, Trump has the advantage of the cult. Haley has yes. no cult. And yes. and that counts for something. Yeah. But it's not enough to win even the nomination. Yeah. But the the scenario, it's funny how many of my peers are like, yeah, but if, if Haley wins, it's going to be trouble for Biden. And I'm like, do you honestly think 
that Donald J. Trump is going to take losing the Republican nomination lightly. That he won't burn the entire house to the ground, <laughs> you know, well, and sit on the ashes. I mean, it's it's delusional to think, oh well, I lost the nomination anyway. I support yeah. Nikki now. I mean, he literally just did a birtherism post well, about okay. her. Well, I, right? I will, uh, yeah, I will. I will offer this though. Um, the chances of Joe Biden giving a a a pardon to Donald Trump is approximately zero point zero 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 zero. Exactly. Right. The right. chance of Nikki Haley giving him a pardon 100%. is is considerably higher than that. Um, oh. You want a pardon? Does he want to go to oh, uh, yeah. to the Supermax in Nebraska for several years? Yeah. That's up to him. I See, that's why I don't think that if, if Haley were to win, yeah. I think maybe he might just shut the hell up. Uh, at least his lawyers would recommend highly that he do that, whether he can or not. Well, that's it. You, know, you have the right to remain you know? silent, but you have the capability to remain silent. You know, I think, I think the, the idea of, uh, of uh, uh, five to 10 years in a, in a maximum security facility might offer a new perspective on things. It does. I will do point that. this out. Uh, um, you know, presidents always look older after they've been in office. They age incredibly. I mean, look at Barack Obama when he took office. Look at him when he left. Yeah. The only exception is Donald Trump, who looked pretty much the same when he left in 2021 as he did when he came in in 2017, because <laughs> the burdens of the office really didn't weigh on him. What did he care? He got up, he, didn't do made, he watched TV, he tweeted, <laughs> you know, uh, I know. and it, it didn't really matter to him. None of this. Yeah. Um, he's aged a lot in the last couple of years. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, starting to show. A hell you can see a lot it. older now. Yeah. Now that he's facing some some hard time in the big house, I think that's, uh, you know, th- that I think means a lot more to him than people think, and that's why I think a Haley nomination would not be the end of the Republican Party. Yeah. Interesting. Well, I I love being wrong. <laughs> you know, I love being called out on these show. Every week, as a guest says, "No, you're an idiot." Uh, no, that's a really good. It's a good point, and and. Um, it could get very ugly. Uh, I, I think it's going to be ugly no matter what. I mean, we like I said, we we don't touch on much Congress on the show, but you know the 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 Republican House GOP they just simply cannot govern. You know, uh, seeing Comer rubbing his forehead today as everybody's yelling at each other. It's um, there's a lot of chaos to follow in the next eleven months, and I'm sure it's going to be interesting. And you, sir, are going to have a front row seat for it up in the up in the the White House. So uh, yeah, <laughs> God bless you. We appreciate your, we appreciate your service to the nation, <laughs> and uh, and I can't thank you enough for joining the show and having a chat with us, man. It's been great. It's been my pleasure. Thank you again. Thanks for coming in. Man, what a great conversation. Uh, uh, Sharish and I actually started talking to Sharish during the campaign. I was at Lincoln Project. You know, he's just doing amazing work for Huffington. If you don't read him at Huffington Post, he does great work. He asks hard questions in the White House. Uh, absolutely a must read. Must follow. It's S-V-D-A-T-E S-V-D-A-T-E on, on all the different social media channels. Uh, don't miss out on that. Uh, the book is terrific, and he's just updated. The Kindle version is an updated version, so if you want to just download it, go for it. Uh, it's definitely worth the read. In the meantime, we keep on telling you, right, that I appreciate you joining the show another big week last week 210,000 views I mean my gosh I don't know what's going on Midas Mighty but you're, you're showing up for us and I really appreciate it don't forget to like click subscribe say hi send me a note I love hearing from you even the ones that yell me somebody told me to go see a neurologist today I, I think that was a put down <laughs> and not not like worried about my health I think he actually thinks I'm crazy which 
We could argue I am, but not for the reason that person thinks I am. <laughs> but nonetheless, really appreciate you. In the meantime, this crazy Congress, right? You're seeing it in real time. And that one, I remind you, and I haven't reminded you in a while, but, my, but I am still the national chairman of the Forgotten Democrats. We're in our first few months of building this out. And so we really love you to have you join us. It's an easy way to join our email. You can just text FRED, F-R-E-D, to 33777. We'll put that up on screen. Uh, if you text that name, you'll get on our email list. You can hear what we're doing as we're trying to raise money for those running for Congress, Democratic nominees with the least money first. Uh, from So uh, as you know, I think I've told you before, 23 Republicans ran unopposed, 126 ran with, with, with opponents who never even raised $200,000 last cycle. This is what we end up with, folks. We end up with this madness in Congress. So many of these reprehensible people ran unopposed or with very little com competition. We need to change that. So we're hoping to do that. We're getting started. We're, actually, it takes a while to build up the way we're building it. It is a very unique model, uh, but I would love to have you learn more. If you want to go right to Forgotten Democrats, <clears throat> you can learn more right at our website. Matt will put it up on you on the screen for you and everything else. But we would love to have you part of our community and, and, and learn more about what we're doing to make sure that we can take Congress back, flip the House, and keep going forward and, and, and follow an agenda that's a democracy, a pro-democracy agenda, which is our whole thing right here on democracy. So thanks again for joining us this week. I appreciate all your comments. Can't wait to see you next week. Keep up the fight.